everyone. We are back and we are continuing last week's very in-depth discussion of Moral Oral Season 3. And returning is Angie, my hey. girlfriend and uh, composer of the theme song. It's my of birthday. Show. It's not Happy your birthday, birthday yet. Um, it's my and... birthday. You're stealing birthday valor. <laughs> it's and my actually, birthday. by the time this goes up, it won't be your birthday either. Yet. At the time of recording, we are uh, 81 minutes away from Angie's birthday. It's my birthday. This MF is stealing birthday, Valor. We are going to... It's my birthday. It's not your birthday. Um, We are continuing uh, in-depth discussion of Moral Oral Season 3 since at the end of the last episode, we realized that this season was deep enough that we could keep on going on it. So, Angie... You seemed like you wanted to, you had a bunch more you wanted to say. Oh, absolutely. So I'm going to give you the mic first. Yeah. Okay, thank you. First thing I want to say is it's my birthday. Please uh, congratulate me on having my birthday. Fucking birthday. Fucking dumb. It's not even, there's no time zone in which it's fucking birthday. Okay, so the first thing I want to say is... um. We got into like a lot of the sexual trauma aspects of moral oral on our <laughs> of last course, episode. The funniest we, ones. We, yeah. yeah, we went into the funniest kind of trauma. Um, the uh, the kind of trauma we didn't go into as much was, of course, like uh, we got into religious trauma a little and uh, right. a, like domestic abuse type trauma a bit, but we didn't go like deep into those. And I think those are like. Like, those are pretty integral aspects of the whole series, but, like, especially season three, I think, you know, the original formula for season one was, like, after Oral does something fucked up because he's naive and innocent and doesn't understand what he's doing and misinterprets adults' advice, you know, his dad brings him into the study and beats him with the the belt, so... Yeah, I I think you could make a... A pretty easy argument that really like the baseline of the entire series is like exploring a vi- like a specific type of parental abuse. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like that's like the theme and kind of the reason for the season of the show. I, yeah, yeah, like it's important to note, I think, that like as as we mentioned on the previous episode, it doesn't critique, it doesn't attack Christianity directly. It's no. never, it never really was anti christian in its intention uh, it's about like there were there were a couple speci- moments where like the jokes yeah, yeah. like like it went for like the easy well i'm yeah, thinking specifically like, of in like season the, two it was like the oh what if the whole country was moralton what the yeah, heck like kind yeah of like easy atheist joke type thing but yeah like largely, the one about yes, like pretty, the, cr- yeah. the uh evolutionist book club and like stuff. epic yeah, caveman yeah. that one had like a really funny rant at the end <laughs> Just like or- oral speech about how he should love the retarded and whatnot, right. but um, yeah, yeah, that mostly was kind of like typical atheist stuff, I think. But like, yeah, m- much but most of the series, like, MO. yeah, most yeah. of the series, like, really strongly avoided that. And I think like you can tell that like this is part of like ha- how it does it is just like if you look at the first season, you know, one of the earliest elements were like the lost commandments, the ones that. Right clay would always spring out and you can Just tell like yeah. these aren't actually part of christianity no actual christian like mm. believes that these are literally in the bible no actual christian believes that these are literal right. commandments from god but you know this is what oral is being taught this is what as we learn clay's father and mother had taught him this is like 
it's basically just a literalization of the kind of thing where in general people appeal to god and oftentimes some other um authority figure any other figure that can be perceived as having arbitrary power um in order to justify their own arbitrary power Mm -hmm. basically yeah oh yeah oh go ahead go ahead no i was just gonna i i didn't think i thought you were done it keep you keep going no no please continue with what you're saying i'm sorry no well i wasn't really gonna i was just gonna uh like agree with what you're saying and that like yeah i i think the show is a very uh I i think the show is very cognizant of the fact that like whether or not christianity is like an actual you know, universal, like, true, like, whether or not yeah, God yeah. is real. And, you know, I, I think the show does a, a pretty, like, admirable job of not answering the question one way or the other, even though it leads yeah, yeah. definitely towards, like, yeah, it's probably not, you know, it, like, God is probably not, like, an actual force in these lives. I'm thinking of, like, the ending of the Christmas episode in season one. Yeah. But, but it, it never really makes that clear. And I, I think it's very aware of the fact that, like, Everything that happens in this kind of conception of Christianity that these people have is filtered through their human experience and like their limited human comprehension exactly, and their exactly. their whims and their passions and and all of the things that like 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 it, the the show is very explicit about the fact that like this belief and these you know strictures are very much like they they serve an end which is to basically support what people's preconceived ideas in a lot of cases already are and i think yeah. clay clay uh 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 clay represents that to like more than any other character but i think it's something that they're pretty consistent about through through most of this show like with clay and censored all and reverend putty yeah and, yeah yeah exactly exactly i'm thinking you know we t- kind of like walked around it on the last episode but i really wanted to get like really kind of in deep with uh grounded which i think is like genuinely one of my favorite episodes of the show and probably of television in general like first like one of the most i mean it it sounds backhanded to say unique but like there is really no other episode in the series like it and i think yeah yeah it it plays a really important role in like getting the message across that they're trying to get uh, yeah, it's it very in that last season. Yeah, it's like very formally daring in my Wait, opinion. Hold on, so, I'm sorry, Andy. Uh, Andy, what were you saying? Well, I mean, I I, I think grounded. It, it's it's a good follow up because the first episode, numb. That was the showing what happened. What Bolverda did for the hiking trip, and, and grounded. I think is it has a similar a you know level of just like. We're going to show some darker context that makes the hunting trip from season two mm-hmm. even worse. Right. The same. But it but it goes about it in a very much more different way. Right. I would say this feels more like uh, a season one or two episode than Numb does, but I would say it uses those aspects to its Right. And also, I mean, more yeah. than I think season one and two, which I, I imagine Angie is about to get into, it, it does have like those really weird trippy sequences of... Uh, oral, you know, when he's flatlining and like 
it, it's yeah. it kind of implies that like there is a greater force out there besides what we have been shown in like the rest of the series is kind of like yeah. you know what what we would imagine is a pretty you know obviously cartoonified to a degree but a pretty typical or or like a pretty one to one representation of the world we live in and then yeah. it goes and then we see into like oral psyche as he communes with like this greater force and it's like no there might be something out there that like you know it is God in a way that these people could never comprehend. And, and I think that that is like a pretty easily overlooked, but I, I think definitely a crucial theme to go with the rest of season three. And yeah, that like, that's like, there are, there are mysteries greater than you, you know, that greater than humans can comprehend that we kind of, you know, half grasp and wrangle to justify everything that we already kind of believed in our hearts well, through religion. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, uh, grounded is like one of the few things that has actually made been that's it's one of the few things that's actually been able to make me cry. I, I, I have a difficult time crying as anyone who follows my Twitter knows. Yeah. Um, but have you tried HRT? That really helped me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually pretty soon after I started. HRT. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the moments where Oral makes his realization and then when he loses his realization, I want to put them as that so that I can describe them in a second. Those are the bits right. that made me cry. Just like the way that it works after having all these near death experiences and getting closer and closer and closer and closer um, to some yeah. kind of realization. He has that weird nightmare sequence as we were mentioning, that's like pretty trippy. It's pretty formal. It's pretty experimental formally. Yeah. And it's presented in such a beautiful way, in my opinion. Right. After, because like the episode is structured, like, you know, as, as mentioned, like it feels like a season one or season two episode for most of it, just like oral being grounded from church. And then he starts going crazy and like starts wearing a church costume around. And like, the big revelation right. that he has a call back to like that moment of insanity where he's running around with a makeshift church costume is really poignant in my opinion, because, you know, that's the moment when he actually grasps at what Jesus was talking about in the gospel. The kingdom of God is within you. My church, my kingdom is not of this world. He realizes that right. the, revel the revelation he gets is that God is not someone who only visits those who are, like, specifically chosen for their goodness or specifically chosen for yeah. their adulation by the community, but to anyone, even lowly or innocent or very small people yeah. and i i think not to interrupt but i i think maybe even like and this might be yeah. me bringing my own like religious mania into it but i think e even deeper than that it's not only that god visits yeah, yeah. them it's that god is of them every you know every living thing and everything on this planet has what you might consider you know god or like a, you know a greater you know inconceivable uh animating force that binds everything together like 
every everything contains that within them whether or not they are aware of it whether or not they act on it like like we we are all connected by a force that like really is i i think the only thing in the universe that you could call like a god because like because of the scope and the you know unbelievable uh scale to which it controls and regulates and and lives inside everything in the universe and i think that I don't know if that's explicitly what they were going for in the show because, yeah, frankly, yeah. I don't know what their views on religion are or whatever. But it's like, it, but it's pretty clear that I mean, him being like, I am, you know, a church, and like, you know, wearing the church and everything, and like becoming, you know, a, a vessel for God is like, I, I think it's we're at least supposed to see that as like oral coming to some realization that like God, God yeah, yeah. is not outside of himself. It's like. Yeah, if you actually yeah. look in, like, if you actually look at at uh, the Bible, if you look at, like, especially things like the Psalms, for instance, it discusses the omnipresence of God a lot. It's not really that much of a secret, because everything, what, what makes Oral's revelation in this, I think, so profound is just, like, within the context of the series is just that this understanding of the omnipresence of god and the direct accessibility of god by man put you know this is actually quite a protestant belief too the priesthood of all believers put in contrast with like what he's been taught about god just like the constant terror of god and he he we had that episode earlier where oral like realizes that god dwells within him but he misinterprets this because the only way that the townsfolk of moralton can conceive of god as 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 just this big egomaniacal bully just like themselves clay but more power yeah Yeah, just a more powerful clay a more powerful version of themselves and oral just mimics this here finally it's only after this revelation that he understands what that means and he's so happy he's so thrilled about it that's what makes like the final beating sequence of this episode so horrifying in my opinion this is like Uh, and not only that but also like yeah Oh, for sure. That this cause... is that this is immediately followed by the the hunting trip is also yeah, what yeah. makes it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's it, it kind of gives the implication that like Oral is being punished for seeing and c- comprehending yeah, yeah. the true face of God and it's like like he 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 reached out and he found truth and then immediately mm-hmm. it was stolen from him. Like honestly, I I mean, I I I, for whatever reason a lot of like the actual like you know abuse stuff yeah, really yeah. hits for me a lot but this like you could make you could claim that this is like th- for, at least from like a, a spiritual like larger than the self sense this is the most like horrifying uh or like the the most damning thing that clay does in the show is literally cutting oral off in his life from like knowing god and knowing the greater power that animates him and and fills him and like connects him yeah, to all moral- other beings on earth like he's literally he's literally killing oral soul here yeah moralton as a town yeah. is like focused all around like it's focused all around their interpretation of christianity where God is supposed to be the most important thing. So, 
Yeah. The most heinous thing possible in that worldview would be to cut someone off from God entirely when right. they found him. And, you know, that's exactly what Clay is doing here without any remorse, just because he and the town realize that the true God is just not the one that they've been worshipping all along. I don't even know that they realize it. I think that, like, they have some small inkling in the back of their mind yeah. that they have to clamp down on because they know that it will mm -hmm. destroy, you know, their entire way of life yeah. if they let themselves realize mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And again, also tying it up. Oh, so, well, actually, I, I wanted to bring up uh, something about the production of this season, which is um, this was actually the first uh, season or episode of the season to premiere technically since uh, every year Adult yeah. Swim... Uh, they, they like to do April Fool's pranks, but they'll just upload random episodes of seasons out of orders without telling anyone. And uh, yeah, so this is this was right. for some people the first uh, the debut like six months early yeah. of Moral Oral. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there are a bunch of sneaky pranksters over at Adult Swim. Uh, no, but yeah, so this is this was what a lot of people like got. You know, th this was how a lot of people got acquainted with Moral Oral season three, which. I don't, I mean, I would love to hear your, your guys' like opinion on how you think that works out from like a, uh, I like mean, a structural standpoint, but it, from a thematic one, it definitely like, it, it's a pretty good, uh, you know, way of showing that like, no, something different is going on. I like, think the first episode works better as the season debut, but I think you could like, like, I, I think numb and grounded could be seen as kind of interchangeable with each other. And you could put them in because, yeah. You know, and that is a lot of the first half of season three, because so much of it is just things that happened before the, the camping trip. You could kind of just reshuffle right. the order around a lot, which, you know, isn't a bad thing. You know, all of the episodes work on their own as individual pieces as, you know, a thing ha happened after season two, rather than some grand arc or anything. Yeah, exactly. I'm always I'm always kind of a thematic maximalist. I'm always much more concerned with like how the themes are worked out in a given piece of fiction than and how the structure can be used to that advantage than like the structure itself. So yeah, I, I've got to concur with Andy. They're they're kind of interchangeable. I think putting grounded first kind of emphasizes the religious aspect. Going directly into season three by watching grounded first is like going into season three by watching alone first is like immediately you're hit with like Liberta's self-mutilation and whatnot and that's like right you go in with like a sense of okay this is going to be different from last time but going into season three with grounded first you get like actually similar kind of hijinks as like the previous seasons at the beginning but as the episode goes on more and more you start to get the realization that things have definitely changed in the series as a whole and that there's a turning point that's been reached and that, I don't know, opening a season on the image of the only time that a character actually uh, understands God being beaten out of them is pretty powerful image yeah well and and I, and I see where you're coming from with that but i i also would make the argument that i don't think the religious aspect of the thing was like what they were trying yeah, to yeah. 
uh, thematically foreground in the season. Like, I, I think that you can make an argument that, like, for, you know, it, like, yeah. I, I see what you're saying, but I also think that, like, it's pretty clear that the religious thing was, like, kind of a, you know, a unifying, like, uh, I guess, a motif yeah. sounds stupid, but, like, it, it's something that, like, ties everything together and obviously needs to be there because it was yeah, such just... a crucial element of the first one. But I, I, I think that the last season is not actually all that about uh, Christianity so much as it is about, like, forms of abuse and, you know, working your way through cycles. And abuse, abstract that out. Ab- which I think numb. Yeah. yeah, abstract that out a bit, you know. You, if, you know, again, another argument for ground. I don't want me to prolong it too much, but, like, <laughs> abstract it out a bit. It begins as a religion-focused episode, and it basically ends as an abuse-focused episode. Uh, if you look at it from, uh, like, the abuse angle, it's, like, one could say, like, maybe Moralton, like, maybe, like, you could even take the uh, spiritual stuff and just say the spiritual stuff is anything that, any good that can come out of it, whether it's, like, explicitly spiritual or just implicitly spiritual. And that good that could potentially come out of Moralton is stuffed back in and repressed by the, like, constant cycles of intergenerational, interpersonal abuse that surround the town. Right. But I I do think that, like, whatever. Again, not to prolong this. I think that that's a pretty, like, abstracted reading of the thing. And I think, like, if you're making the argument of, like, putting first and foremost what they want to be the theme, I I think that, like, I I, I think it makes more sense to do something that you don't have to, like, dig into to that degree to, like, find the actual through line. True, true, true. You know? True, true. But... So, so what do we want to talk uh, about? Well, we still got some more episodes to cover. I forget specifically uh, which ones we did. We did, I think we did Dumb last time. We did, uh, did we do Alone? We, yeah, did we, we did do Alone. Innocence? Um, um, I don't think we did I Innocence. I don't think okay. so. Yeah. So. Innocence is a weird one because it feels like more than, I think, a lot of the stuff in this season, it does feel like a return to form from the original season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, maybe, I don't know if that was, like, on purpose on their part or it was just, like, you know, a rare misstep in the season that we all really like. But, yeah, it, it's definitely, it is kind of, it, it is more similar to the earlier season than, than maybe. Yeah. It's almost like an the the a lot of yeah. It's yeah. almost like an archetypal summation of like yeah. what all the other earlier seasons were about. Just like Oral is innocent, he doesn't understand what's going on. He goes to the uh, the townspeople; they offer him bad advice. He takes it the wrong way, and he does something crazy. And this is just like kind of a summation of that because it's all focused around like the townspeople being like, okay, we shouldn't give Oral any advice, but then they realize that's kind of impossible. And at the end, he gets all the kids to uh, cut themselves and pour their blood into a tub for him to bathe in so that he can remain innocent forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which, I mean, definitely kind of following in that, uh, you know, the the through line that stuff like Grounded set where it's like, yeah, it's kind of like more more fucked up than maybe it would have been in the earlier seasons but yeah it does feel very uh very archetypical for 
the rest of the show. A- Andy, did you have something that like specifically that you wanted to say about it? Or I, 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 or I mean, I, 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 yeah, I figured we were just going through the, the list overall. Yeah. I mean, it is. It kinda, okay. You guys are hitting a lot. It works. Of the, the... It works well within like the narrative. I think it provides a. It provides like the background. I, I do think it is good to have kind grounded of grounded, uh, well. a more fillery breather episode. Although other episodes yeah, are yeah. better at that this right. season. Yeah, and I mean. I, I do think that, like, I, Andy said that they are a quote-unquote, you know, the thematic maximalist. And I, I think Andy kind of has a similar bent. But I, I think it's at least, like, worth, like, interrogating the idea of, like, yeah, this. I mean, even if this is, you know, somewhat of, like, a self-contained story about, like, you know, abuse and, like, religion. with It's still also a TV show that, like, has a very yeah, specific, yeah. you know, uh, uh, release schedule and, like, has has a... Yeah, very, it's got to like, uh, it's got to like, like bin- yeah, they were not binging since... yet. Like they needed to actually figure out how they were like, like yeah. they were working from a different, I, I almost, I guess, experiential uh, medium or, or I, I'm trying to think of what exactly how I want to describe, like the way in which their audience consumed it. They were working in a, a, a meth, like they were working to a paradigm that we are not having you know watching a tv show in a week like we are not watching it the way that they created it to be watched and that might have something to yeah yeah it's also worth bringing up in terms of production that again this was originally supposed to be a 20 episode season and they had to force it down into yeah yeah uh 13 yeah exactly yeah Yeah. so i guess the next episode that we have to cover is uh (laughs) oh it's um trigger yeah it's trigger trigger is an interesting one because of no wait we I think we talked about trigger did we? well I mean, no we so. did let's touch on I, I brought it up but yeah trigger trigger um I think trigger is a better sort of fillery episode than than what innocence yeah. is going for because it is kind of a light it doesn't have nearly the darkness but it is yeah, like, a pretty it, good character study yeah it ties into the theme pretty well just like the way that. Like the gun, it's 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 interesting here. The gun doesn't it, it isn't even a gun. It isn't even right. a physical implement so much as like a concrete metaphor. It's just a a thing that exists kind of as a metaphorical object. Oral can only shoot it when yeah. he can only shoot it. He can only it, it's a it's an implement of death, and Oral can only wield it the more he becomes dead inside yeah. himself. The, the only way that he can bring himself to fire the trigger correctly and thus bring himself closer to, like, actualizing his potential to kill another living thing on purpose is to, like, actively start hating himself and his life. And Also, he- can, can I just talk about how fucking, like, shitty Doi's dad is? Yeah. Just, like... Yeah. His mom, too. Um, well, uh, yeah, God. but, like, I, I, just, like, there's still, like, high school, like, God. Yeah, the, it's, there is something, I think, really, and we are also reading a lot into this, like, because they're still trying to make it funny, but there is something so fucking soul-killing about watching, like, a grown man get jealous of his kid. It's it's I one love... of the, it's one of the most disgusting things that you can do in I this fucking... world. I fucking love the way that Doey and Oral's relationship and their families yeah. are portrayed overall. So I just want to take this episode to like go into that a little. I love the way that they're portrayed so much because you basically have two models of like abusive families 
like doey's parents legitimately don't fucking care about him they see him as like a nuisance they want to have their like extended honeymoon they're just interested in themselves and they just give him money and tell him to go away and oral's parents like they're like kind of helicoptery they're like oral's mother is emotionally dis like they're emotionally distant but at the same time kind of like engaged in all the wrong ways they're right. like always trying to make sure that he's doing what they're telling him to do and everything very strict and disciplinarian in a lot of ways even as they're like still kind of don't care about him that much and so what i love about it is just like oral who's like used to this discipline and like being beaten for like fucking up all the time right sees doey's parents just like tell him here's some money go fuck off as like a kind of freedom that he never gets and doey looks at like oral's parents like beating him and doing nice things for him just like having that wildly inconsistent like helicopteriness is just like yeah. a kind of attachment that he is jealous of yeah and i, I wasn't the biggest fan of this episode because like while i do think it's very thematically rich no. I, I didn't enjoy watching it that much but there's something very uh I think there's something really compelling about watching the way that, like, Doey begins joining in on the abuse of Oro and, like, you know, holding the skill that he has yeah. over Oro. Like, like, he it, starts yeah. becoming kind of maniacal. But, like, but in, like, in a way that's very understandable because, like, yeah, he is, you know, he's getting, like, a just a surplus of, like, parental attention in a way that he has not had maybe his entire life. And, like, it makes sense yeah. why he's, like, why he kind of is high on his horse and, like, also kind of devious about not wanting to lose it. But it's also, like, I, I mean, I do think it is a good representation of a lot of what this show is trying to say about, like, cycles of abuse in that, like, they are, mm -hmm. there are things that are taught, and I think Doey is, like, using a lot of, like, you know, the, the guidelines that Clay kind of gave him regarding the gun, but they're also something that, like, mm -hmm. people adopt and people, you know, and, and become, you know, fuse themselves to people's personality over, like, whims and passions that like they feel and like like th you know human failings that they experience yeah, yeah. that then they turn into orthodoxy in a way that like Dilly Dilly mm -hmm. pretty clearly is doing to oral right now even like like so in a way where it's like yeah it's understandable but it's also like very <laughs> harrowing to watch because like oh this guy's just like he's 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 becoming like an abuser to this to his best friend because like it nets him you know attention that like is crucial to him and then he's just tossed aside at the end. Yeah. Just yeah. Fucking... It automatically, like, kind of raises the question of, like, how, like, culpable or responsible Doey is. Because, like, at the same time, he's, like, getting groomed into it, like, using everything he's ever wanted in his young life. Yeah. And, but at the yeah. same time, like, there's a d conscious process that he's going through where he keeps choosing, yeah, I'm going to fuck with him. Like, yeah even early on he early on in the episode he's not like being like conniving about it he's just like jumping at the attention more and more he starts like actively enjoy like fucking with oral and it's like you can see how like there's a combination of like he's being groomed into this but also at at the end he's like actually making the choice to like go the extra mile in order to hurt oral yeah for sure, but and, and yeah. it's also tied into like, and sorry, Andy, I'm sorry for interrupting you. Uh, it, but it, it it also ties into like the idea of like I, I think the episode makes it clear that like if Oral gets good at shooting, which is something that like you know 
Doey thinks that his kind of like, you know, abuse of Oral is going to prevent, like, if Oral gets good at shooting, which eventually he does, like, this ends for Doey, you know, this thing that is like, Mm -hmm. you know, this kind of opiate of parental attention will... as we see, they'll just throw him aside if Oral gets good at shooting. Like, yeah. So he has a reason to continue, like, making Oral feel as bad as possible, like, in the way that he believes it will make Oral bad at shooting. Yeah. So, like, he takes a joy in it, but also, like, it is necessary for him to do this in order to not have to go back to his parents exactly, who fucking hate exactly. him. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, which is, that ties pretty well into what I was going to bring right. up, which is that, like, I think the ending pretty clearly, like lifts a lot of the blame away from Doe. Like, yeah, he's being... But he was just being a kid. Like, a dumb kid who was... You know, well, it, like, the, the fault lies at Clay's. I, Again, I, I, like, kinda. It's like, part of the point, I think, is to show that, like, exactly how culpable he is is, like... Right. A really difficult thing to determine. Just because, like, there's such... It's such an intimate mixture of, like his own like volition but also like the perverse incentive structure and like the deliberate manipulation that you can't tell like how much of it is he's like even conscious of he's doing you can't tell really yeah for sure it's all I, i mean and that's the thing about like whatever i think we might be reading a lot into it you know but but it's pretty clear in the show that like a lot, they're not doing this intent, like, they're not interpreting Christianity this way intentionally in a lot of cases. It's just, like, it, they are they mm-hmm. are drawn to the easier path of, like, whatever happens to coincide with their previously held beliefs. And, like, so, so even if it's not, even if there is not intention behind, like, them perverting uh, God in this way, it's, like, it's pretty, they're still doing it, whether or not they're actually like, you know, they're not setting out to be like, we're going to make Christianity all about us. But it's like, it's a gradual process that like, kind of mm-hmm. maps itself onto the, their human failings in a way that like, yeah, it's like yeah. a good study of like, how, you know, the way Christianity becomes so identified with like national values, yeah. or like community or economic values or whatnot that it kind of becomes divorced from, like, what Christianity actually says. Like, I remember reading this article by David Bentley Hart, like, a couple years ago. That I mean, that was published a couple years ago. I've read it, like, a couple of times, I think. The article is, like, titled Christ's Rabble, and it goes in-depth about how, like, insanely radical the Gospels are. Because he, like, David Bentley Hart was, like, writing his own translation of the New Testament from Greek at the time. And he was like, this is, like, not what I expected. Like, the stuff about, like, you know, he points out that, like, you know, you might go into it and you might read the stuff about, like, it is easier for a rich man to pass through the eye of a needle. It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Or stuff like, you know, uh, store up not wealth but rather store up the riches of the soul and whatnot, like right. stuff like that. Um, and he says, you know, it's very easy to interpret this, like, especially in these days to be like, don't focus on riches. Like it's okay to accumulate riches, but don't focus right. on accumulating wealth. Don't make it your paramount thing. Except if you actually look at like the Greek in which the new Testament is written, it's literally condemning con- storing up riches right. at all. It's literally saying the only way that you can be saved is selling all of your possessions, giving them to the poor and living in common with the rest of the disciples. Yeah. And, 
and that's the thing about I think orthodoxy always is that it it always evolves and conforms to the society in which you know it's yeah, in yeah. which it is being like it's very I'm very much a historic like a historical materialist about these things or like mm-hmm. I try to be in that like yeah it, it's I mean obviously people have beliefs but those beliefs are always shaped by the material conditions of the society that they live in exactly and, exactly. and that uh, there's no reason why that would not apply to religious orthodoxy like yeah and and I think this show is well obviously like they're not getting academic about it I think it's very it knows that like yeah the things that the people in Moralton believe are shaped by the lives that they live and the things that make it convenient for them to live those lives and I mm-hmm. think a lot of the last season exactly at least when it gets into the religious stuff which is not you know as often as it did in the earlier seasons but I think when it does get into the religions religious stuff it is looking at it through that lens just like you know as we were talking about health and last episode like liberta's convincing clay to drink is just like because jesus drank a lot yeah everything's just a derivation of the existing prejudices and conditions of their society yeah no for sure like yeah i don't have anything else to add to that but yeah yeah uh sorry andy what were you saying oh nothing um i i I was gonna kind of derail the conversation derail away we still have 20 minutes this is kind um, of a rambling yeah. one. Alright, well, I was wondering if you guys kind of want to move on to the next episode. Yeah, go for it. Uh, did trigger. Did, uh, we did help. Did I think. dumb. We touched on passing. I don't know if there's more that we want to say about it, but... Uh, I think we covered the general gist. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess next we can cover the one real misfire of season three of Moral Laurel. Sundays. Sundays. Yeah. It's not great. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It, so so first off, I understand, you know, you're you're show, doing uh an episode where you cover a series of events from the start of the, the show till the present point in time. That makes sense. But did you have to reference the zombie episode again? Right. Couldn't we mm-hmm. all just pretend the zombie episode didn't happen? Uh but yeah, this this episode's just kinda lame and fat phobic yeah. a little and yeah. just yeah, it's I, like I, I'm fat phobic, and even I was offended. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, because it's lazy fat jokes, right? It's also like I, I'm not sure exactly what, and maybe you guys might have a better insight into it. But just like me watching it, I was not sure what they were trying to go for with the episode, besides like one setting up things for sacrifice, like you know that the officer paper mouth and. Reverend Putty like would have drama in the back, yeah, and, like, and and just I guess like I guess giving Putty something to do that isn't just like supporting Oral or Stephanie, but I the, I tried like looking for the deeper thematic stuff in here, and I never really I don't yeah. know I couldn't I I couldn't find anything, and I'm interested if you guys found something. Yeah, it's like to me, it's just like yeah, I'm not actually fat phobic. I just want to clarify that it's just like it's just that it just like comes across uncharacteristically mean spirited for the series. Yeah. Normally speaking, the series doesn't just, like, resort to poking fun at how much, like, an overweight woman eats. It, it doesn't seem in character of the series, and I'm genuine. it, like, genuinely makes me wonder, like, what the hell was the writing process with this? Yeah. I'm looking, I'm, I'm just doing, like, a quick over, uh... The I guess like Wikipedia, but I guess like nature. I think nature was dedicated to John Cassavetes, and I guess like it doesn't work that well as a character study. But like 
on some level, I guess, like, there's a point in it to just, like, demystify a lot of the rest of the series. And just to be like, yeah, while we were seeing all this crazy shit that Oral and company were doing, um, at the same time, like, the background characters are just having their own lives. And right. not everything revolves around just, like, a small trio of characters and whatnot. Yeah, there, I, there's a point there, but I, I think it might have been made in a, in a better way w- with some other episode. And it, it kind of is undermined by the fact that a lot of it is just like about their relationship with Reverend Putty. Yeah, I very much agree with that. I think that like if they wanted to tell a standalone story about other people in Moralton, I mean, alone already did a good job of doing that. But even if they went to like kind of go away from the more experimental aspects of that episode. I think they could have done a lot better than like a, a pretty, I, I don't want to say like bog standard, but like a, a pretty, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. yeah. If this didn't come in the context of like season three with like the already cramped production schedule and everything, I, I think it could have been, and if it had like a lot less fat jokes, I think it could have been like decent just to like in terms of vibes, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Just, like, a quick, like, look through, like, a couple of characters' lives, just, like, introducing us to things that we hadn't thought, seen or thought or considered before. I also wonder if it would not have worked for that purpose better if it came either earlier in the season or, like, towards the end of season two. Because especially, like, being the fourth to last episode, it feels kind of like a deflation of tensions in a way that you don't really want in, like, a, you know, if you're building up like yeah. a, a narrative through a season of tv yeah yeah so do we have anything else that we want to say about this one no nah, it just kind of sucks really. yeah uh nesting good. i like how this ties in the last episode but as a standalone thing eh? oh sorry did someone just come in your room or something no that was me making is that why your is that why your door was squeaking i, I went oh okay this is a bit gotcha <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this egg shit's weird. It's weird. It's it's weird yeah. even within the context of moral oral. I think it's it's weird, but it also is kind of justifiable. I think well, it works well as like an odd, like kind of strange right angle examination of like moral tens, like weird sexual. I, I will issues. say. Like, how it relates to, like, thoughts on the body, on sexuality, on reproduction. Because it, it provides, like, a useful springboard to look at Miss Sensordoll's, like, view of herself and her own body and her own sexuality or lack thereof. And, like, thus of, like, a lot of other characters' relation to the same aspects of life. Right. Because the fact that... Like, the fact that Moralton is so eager to, is so willing to, not necessarily eager, but willing to go along with, like, her when she's like, yeah, we have to ban, the eggs are obscene, we have to ban them, it just kind of shows how, like, they're just, like, even if they're not, like, pathologically terrified of their own anatomy to, to, uh, to the same way that she is, they're still, like, ashamed of it and, like, unwilling to, like actually think about it in a healthy way yeah my my thing with censor doll is like i get what they are going for with her like the idea of you know motherhood being taken from her and kind of perverted into like Mm -hmm. her her uh her her kind of 
harmful and toxic matronhood over like the town of Moralton. Like I see what they're going for. And yeah. if if you were to press me, I might even like admit that it's a clever metaphor, but it's one of those things. Where, I don't know. It, I don't think it ever really clicked yeah, within yeah. the context of the show. Like it, it's one of those things where and we talk about this sometimes on the show where it's like, it's definitely clever. And like, you can admire like the structure of the thing that they're doing, but there's something about it that either is not like evocative in a way that like the rest of the show is, or it's not like, you know, it just doesn't click with like the other elements of the show in that. Like I would, I never really cared that much about censored all in the way that like I cared about some of the other characters who like weren't maybe did not even have as much work put into like their whole deal. So I'm kind of, um, yeah, yeah. Sitting in the middle of you two. I don't necessarily think censored all is handled particularly great, but I think more so, no, no, I don't think more so than anything else this season. I think it is hurt by the fact that this is the last season, uh, because you can tell they had much bigger plans and then they just kind of stopped. You know, we, they just did. They just didn't tell them. And I think if if they got the the full story, this this probably would have ended up as a more coherent thing rather than the kind of stubby storytelling it is. Yeah, so yeah, far. yeah. But like, aside from that, aside from that, because this is the season that we got, I think it's worth like looking at. I think it's worth ex- examining this episode from like kind of an alternate angle instead of focusing much on the egg thing. I think it's useful to understand, like, the egg thing is just kind of a MacGuffin. Right. Where the thing that's important in this episode, because, like, the egg thing has been building for a few episodes, but the thing that seems important in this episode, most important in this episode, is just, like, the way that the egg thing is handled in the political and social system of Moralton. And, like, in the interpersonal relations between the characters. Like, the fact that this is the episode that reveals that Clay is mayor, for one. So we begin to understand, like... And I I will say this does have one of my favorite moments of the season, which is uh, the the scene in the den with Clay and Oral. That might be my Mm -hmm. favorite moment in all of Moral Oral. Um, Right. Where where more or where Oral stands up to, and he's just play. done. He's just yeah. done with his father. He's given up on him. I, I think honestly, with that moment, something that the show maybe the most impressive show that this thing does to me is the idea of it shows that Oral is strong through resistance and not through like returning violence, like. Oral never becomes Clay because I think the show knows that Clay is not a strong man, but it's like, it's clear that Oral is very, like, it is incredibly strong, but it's because he is willing to, in the way that Jesus is, and, the, you know, in, like, in his understanding of Christianity that is, like, you know, mm-hmm. not, you know, is, is healthier than the ones that, like, the, you'd find in the rest of Moralton, like, he is willing to turn the other cheek, and he is willing to, like, he knows right from wrong and he is willing to, you know, stand for right. But in, in a way that like, he does not, he's not lowered to Clay's level. And that is how the show shows you that like, he is stronger than his father. And I, I love, obviously this is, isn't like a lazy show, but it, it uh, like a lazier show could have easily like turned it into, it's like, no, he becomes, you know, strong enough. And he, I don't know, he fucking like fights clay or whatever, or, you know, or he, he leads a fucking, yeah, he leads a fucking like revolution or whatever. It's like, no, he carves out his little place in the world with his, you know, belief in the fundamental Mm -hmm. goodness of things. And that is 
allowed to be strong. I really like how they thread that needle. Yeah. Well, this just, like, offers, like, an interesting perspective into just, like, the politics of Moralton. How we can see that, like, the mayor is practically a figurehead position. Right. He doesn't even have that much power, and he just... He's just a guy who they put in charge who hates being in charge, who hates just doing anything. Um, like, Sensor Doll just says that right. Clay is just a guy who wants to die. And. Yeah, yeah. Like, Sensor Doll is just like moment of empathy there. Just like, that's what causes Oral to become her campaign manager. And like, there's a lot of like subterfuge that goes on with like the campaigning because what's fascinating is you can tell that just like clay isn't really that big of he, he he's not that big on like being mayor but he just doesn't yeah. want to give it up he doesn't, he doesn't like know what else to do want to have he doesn't want to give it up because that's the only thing he has that's the only way of maintaining his like power and prestige within the community otherwise he's just like shit out of luck um and censor doll doesn't necessarily want to be mayor either she just wants uh clay to accede to her demands which you know he right. does after like she like kind of manipulates him using oral and whatnot and it it's fascinating like the way that clay just like after he apologizes to oral for being a shitty dad and like shooting him as a means of getting to know what like censor dolls plans are and oral just literally doesn't know like he's just like the second he's like oral actually knows he's just disguising and he's just on censor dolls side because that's that's another revealing thing he doesn't even he's not even capable of thinking maybe oral just doesn't know he's just like too cynical to believe anything else other than that oral is deliberately working to undermine him then he just like takes everything back and like says he's happy to shoot oral yeah i mean it's right. just like that's he's that's just i mean we talked about it last time but yeah he's just lashing out when he feels like he's threatened and he mm -hmm. feels like he's threatened in any way that or in any situation that he does not have like complete control over which mm -hmm. is most situations and that's why clay is always such a fucking disgusting mess yeah 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 and in the end he's just like talking about how like powerless he feels and everything and you get that fucking end scene with like him and censored all it's fascinating because you know what clay ends up getting out of that one could imagine it's just like the one situation in his life where like he could give up control like voluntarily the one con situation in his life where he could give up control voluntarily and you know that harkens back to like the fact that his mother died and everything he's just like recreating like a situation and where he can be like the special boy yeah, and he, he kind of is just have... like throughout yeah. his life if he can't be the special boy then he needs to be in total control and like total power and if he can't be in power then what else is there yeah he has a hole in him that he needs to fill with some mm -hmm. kind of yeah it's literally a power vacuum not obviously in like the yeah he's just you know, like usual meaning of the term but yeah, yeah as, he has a vacuum that he needs to fill with power yeah as a, i was just mentioning like in last episode like 
the way that you parent in order to create like a quote-unquote narcissistic child is just to teach them that power is all that matters and so that's all he's really looking for he's terrified of there not being any power or just like shared power right. or just like any situation and where the power dynamics are not clear right so no yeah uh, for sure. do you wanna i i think we're we could we're in a place where we could wrap it up well we there is the final episode that's super pressing um yeah right? let's wrap it up on the final. very good season season okay so i personally think that the final episode despite the fact that it's very clearly like the Cliff's Notes version of what Dino wanted to do is still kind of a right. miracle with how fucking good it is and how well it ties oh, yeah. everything up. It is yeah, the best possible final episode they could have gotten given the situations that they yeah. had to deal with. Especially since, well, most of season three came together, some of it kind of didn't. Uh, so right. the fact that the ending came together as tight as it did is a mirror. Well, yeah. I think I think what helps the ending come together so much is like there is real genuine emotion for these characters, like Oro especially, but these characters in general, it's like, even though it is kind of rushed, like they knew the story that they were trying to tell and like the beats that they were trying to hit and they, they were able mm -hmm. to at least get those across like to a degree enough that it still makes like the ending very, very fucking affecting. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think the... The reason why it's so good is that the, I don't know, just everything about it, it feels like the right place for the show to end. You get the, like, look of just absolute terror in Clay's face as he's realized he's outed his darkest secret, you get. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It, it's a really crucial turning point for all the characters at the end, and it sort of implies the rest really gracefully. And I think that yeah. the final flash forward is, like, it, with all the groundwork that the, uh, past season and even more of that is set it makes the happy flash forward at the end really really affecting i think it's also interesting how despite how this final episode managed to take and make uh one of the shows less interesting and and develop and concrete uh reoccurring characters into someone really strong and compelling and that's of course uh coach mm -hmm. stopgrain yeah. Well, I, I think I think Stop Stop Frame got stronger when they realized how much of like his character was about his relationship to Clay. And like also, I guess, incidentally oral through that. But like before, like he was kind of a stereotype and then they closed in on like the, the thing that they could actually build off of, like his kind of unrequited, you know, on off love yeah. for Clay. And that helped them grow like an actual character out of what was just kind of a stereotype yeah yeah i want to point out how like coach stop frame like it's interesting how they were able to develop him him into this character because like if you look over his character throughout the series he's like kind of he's not that bad a guy mm. all things no. considered yeah well I he's mean, a like, satanist like if he's you, just you a weirdo like, the... and, and he is kind of a shitty he is kind of a shitty like role model to the kids like he just he yeah. just yeah, insults them to their face model, but uh, yeah i mean yeah he's one of he's one of the characters uh, who's uh, like well, let me let me just say that like obviously mm -hmm. this is subjective but also like it's pretty clearly implied that like he's basically molesting all the kids in <laughs> his gym class so like <laughs> i mean obviously it's different within the town of Boralton, but like he's not the best guy who's ever lived mm. yeah yeah Although, although you have to, do, you do have to wonder if like 
the coach stop frame that's implied to be molesting and like the coach stop frame that like develops over the course of the series are necessarily like even the same character at that point after they realize like oh wait a sec having a gay stereotype character whose job is to molest all the kids might not be the best thing so they just started to drop off the molesting aspect gradually yeah (laughs) no yeah Yeah. i i I was joking but yeah he he is genuinely like a pretty solid guy who like yeah. cares like after they get all that you know molesting so i'm standing out nights out right the it, the molesting thing is kind of like the the zombies from the first episode where it's one of those things that they kind of just like right ignore really happen <laughs> i i would also like to i would also like to say uh well well it may not have uh been a very good a tasteful thing for 2004 to have the uh you know one of the few gay characters in the show be a child molester. It has aged very well to have one of the Satanist libertarians uh, be a child molester. Good job, Marlar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I kind of almost wish that, like, they uh, they had split Coach Stop Frame into, like, two characters of the star. Coach because, and like, Assistant Coach. Yeah, yeah. Season 13. I would, li- I would if like they had, If they had replaced, like, I don't know, Sundays with, like, a, an episode about the molesting, <laughs> they could have actually tackled it pretty well, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wish I wish they had split Coach Stop Frame like in in half because he was so fucking hot. Vertically or horizontally? <laughs> uh, the way I do it, it's horizontal. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but like non-molesting Coach Stop Frame is like basically he's kind of like a pretty cool guy. He's not like he he's fucked up. He's very flawed. He's not like particularly good yeah. role model but he's not he's like malevolent yeah. he's not like thinking he's not like thinking all the time like yeah i'm going well again non-molesting coach stop frame is not <laughs> thinking all the time like yeah i'm going to use like my position of authority to my advantage he seems like kind of legitimately interested in like the uh well-being of the people around him like to the extent that whenever like he has to get involved he seems like he's actually willing to put in some effort to help and like it's it's really interesting that like his flaws like are explored in this episode even as it like it builds him up as like a pretty good guy because like you slowly see like he that 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 little speech he gives oral about like why he loves clay um explaining like what he's trying to explain what he sees in clay it's so fascinating because it's both like a strength of his character and like a big flaw in his character yeah he likes him because he's a piece of shit yeah he sees he sees the good in clay but at the same time he's just like unwilling to confront that what he's seeing is just like like not really there anymore yeah yeah it's not really there it's just like little it's little nuggets of gold in a piece of shit right it's little nuggets of corn in a piece of shit (laughs) uh but yeah do you think that's gonna do it for this protracted discussion uh i don't know do you guys think we need another episode (laughs) i um no i think that's gonna do it but uh angie thank you so much for uh yeah you were a hard get but um, (laughs) (laughs) thank you for coming on um okay first i I do have to say it's your birthday yeah 
repeating repeating i think it's beautiful that I, I think it's beautiful again that like clay i think it's beautiful again that like oral like ends up just like avoiding all the mistakes that his parents made and still remains a christian just like showing that like a lot of the elements like in the series are not necessarily bad in themselves it's just like how they're used um and uh that's the thing that we get into so much is like yeah the show is very aware that like these things are not endemic to christianity yeah it's like and and i think if you're trying to like talk frankly about religion that needs to be like a baseline that you're exactly exactly you need to be i want to i want to make a little statement about the series because like you know it's fascinating that this series it's fascinating that this season got out there it's fascinating that it got out there like at the peak of like the fucking at the peak of the fucking religious right and at the peak of like you know, right. one of my friends, uh, Gabe, was talking with me. I was talking with him about uh, Higurashi Nanaku Koroni a bit, and he pointed out that, like, you know, if you look at the situation in Higurashi, and, you know, if you look at, like, the statistics, if you look at self-reports, if you look at stuff like that, you're, you're kind of in the middle of, like, an abuse epidemic, kind of, right. in, in, like, Japan. a lot of westernized, in a lot of, like, westernized nations where, like, not just Japan, but the United States, Canada, UK, etc., have a pretty rising rates of like abuse in like particular ways. And so right. this series is like simultaneously examining the religious rights, simultaneously examining like issues of intergenerational and interpersonal and institutional abuse. And it examines how these feed into each other. With regard to the religious right, it shows that, like, it goes into detail. It actually almost shoots itself in the foot sometimes, like, not going the easy route of just, like, being, lol, Jesus is dumb, etc. And just, like, going, like, really far to try to demonstrate, no, look, the issue is that, like, if you're dealing with this, like, brand of evangelicalism, it's not focused around jesus uh protestant fundamentalism is focused around like the preconceptions that the people who believe in it have all the stuff about like rejecting medical science all the stuff about like rejecting um gay people all the stuff about like the 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 subtle the subtle and not so subtle racism that's embedded in moral tense society these aren't part of the gospel they're yeah they're all like things that people they're, they're a lot of things that the people in Moralton believe are christianity are nowhere to be found it's just that they believe that they're part of christianity because that's what they're inculcated with it's what they're raised to believe it's what they're taught it to and that's the same with like the cycles of abuse because once you because part of what enables the abuse you know the religious aspect and like the abuse aspect work hand in hand because once you have that totalizing belief system that is set up to enable all that abuse it's it's very difficult to like escape it you end up with like systems in which you know it's just totally normal to have like like emotional neglect and like physical neglect and like physical abuse child beating whatnot because that's just what everyone grew up with 
that's what people think is the right thing to do for themselves and for others and because when you once you get down to it you end up with like a question a lot of this is just about power people are uncertain of their power in such a world and they're willing to grasp at a lot in order to maintain that power people are going to and very often you know the things that the things that create such unhealthy patterns of power on a wider scale are just like the way that people are educated and raised and taught on the smaller community family church level i uh, um i hate to cut us don't... off here yeah but yeah we've been yeah we've been going okay i, I would here, just like to say no uh, no 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 more Andy, Andy, no. I'm sorry. we're on we're done okay end of the episode i was gonna do Okay, bit. everyone. Uh, I was gonna... Now you have to praise me for my birthday. Okay. Shut up, bitch! You will leave. It's my Bye. birthday. It's my birthday. I didn't even get to my bit. I was gonna say Clay Bye. should be erased for being bisexual. Bye. 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 Goodbye. It's my We're birthday. Done. King Saul fell on his sword when it all went wrong, and Joseph's brothers sold him down the river for a song. And Sonny Liston rubbed some tiger balm into his glove Some things you do for money And some you do for love, love, love